Hi, I'm April. And I'm Steph. And you're listening to The Thirst. You can find us online, Twitter, we're at The Thirst, soundcloud.com forward slash The Thirst Pod. You can find us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts by searching for The Thirst. Instagram, we're at The Thirst Pod, and you can email us to thethirstpod at gmail.com. We can also um, find us on Tumblr, where we share a list of um, articles and links to things we reference in the episode. The URL for that is thethirstpod.tumblr.com. Um, this is episode 23. 23. The puns are getting harder, I must um, say. Yeah, I've got some, though. Would you like to share okay. yours? Mine are a bit shit, but I'm I'm sort of just re- just going to like pop culture trivia now. That's fine. That's what I've done um, as well. There's a song called Twenty Three by Yellow Card. Yep, good. Um, uh, in Jeepers Creepers, the creeper appears every twenty three years yep. for twenty three days to feast on human flesh. Good. That's pretty much what I've got. Cool. I've got the number twenty three. That movie with Jim Carrey. Oh shit! Forgot about that. Weird, because twenty three is yeah. a bit of a weird occulty number, yeah. isn't it? Um, I've also got uh, the TV show Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment Twenty Three. Have you yeah. seen that? James Van Der Beek. Is it actually the beer or is it the bitch? Well, it says bitch, but obviously it's it rhymes with 23. Oh, it's, not, it? it's not It's not. like a PG podcast, actually, um, we can say it. 23 and Me, the DNA testing company. Oh, there that is was that. That was used to help God, you found loads find out the this. Golden State Killer. Yeah, Golden um, State Killer found through that. 23 yes. is the number of the lane that's always used in The Big Lebowski. I did think of that, actually. That's the bowling alley. Yes, the lucky yes. lane. And, of course, nobody likes you when you're 23 from What's My Age Again by a Blink-182. Of course, a classic. A classic. Why didn't I remember it? Probably the best. So, it's getting harder and harder. It is getting I think hard. we should keep trying to go at it, but... I'm interested. When we get to 37, I'm going to be truly lost. Well, true. We'll just have to start listing people who are of that age. Yeah, just bingo numbers. Bingo numbers. Yeah. 23 in bingo numbers. The Lord is my shepherd. The Psalm 23 <laughs> of the Old Testament. Wow. So I didn't. I thought all bingo numbers just had to rhyme. So this I is thought something they else. did. Like 22, seven. two little ducks. Like missed that one. Anyway. Let's carry on. Um, so, on the news front, we're just focusing on two very important issues this week. Um, extreme first, topics. Extreme topics. The first is that um, Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson have split up. I'm enjoying, just quickly, that this news pretty much sums up the, just the topics of this podcast generally uh, month by month, which are, uh, this appears to be uh, an Aria, Ariana and Pete sort of like... Pete pod. Yes. Ariana and Pete pod. Pete pod. Yeah, so... And uh, some sort of like... Timmy Stan account. Yeah, I mean, we form. we know our aesthetic. So, yeah. um, with regards to Ariana and Pete splitting up, obviously we um dropped our episode <laughs> like three, two or three days after they split up, and yeah. we were so annoyed, really annoyed, because we'd obviously recorded it the sort of a few days before. Takes us a while sometimes. Yeah. Um, and we were quite livid that they just sort of. They really up. chose the worst time to break up. Yeah, we between were between production and. Yeah, I mean, it's really inconsiderate for us that we just talked at length about them having a pig and then they split up. And so, um. The announcement of their split came on the 14th of October. Um, this is from Vulture. The news comes just five months after the couple announced they were five dating. Five months. And they've gotten engaged. Um, obviously, the last few months have been challenging for Aliana Grande, who cancelled her tour and several scheduled appearances after the death of her longtime friend and former boyfriend, Mac Miller. Mm-hmm. And then on the 17th of October... I've done a timeline again, just so okay, you know. Okay, yeah, we I love, love a timeline. I love an love Ari You've got to make sense of it through a timeline. So, um, Ariana Grande, um, she ended up quitting social media for a bit to avoid things. So, it's the 17th of October she posted an Instagram story that said time to say bye bye to the internet for just a little bit it's hard not to bump news and stuff that I'm trying not trying to see 
it's very sad and we're all trying very hard to keep going love you and thank you for being here always very sweet 21st of October Pete Davidson did a comedy set in LA oh god that was awkward wasn't it very awkward so it was a benefit show for Swing Left and Davidson acknowledged that getting multiple tattoos with his ex was probably not the best almost move. like it's a bad idea right he said you know that he realises that people were kind of aware of the fact that this was something that he was doing and he said no I'm not going to do it I'm not stupid and then his friends were like turns out you were stupid um, he also addressed the fact that he won't be living with Ari in her extremely nice apartment someone apparently I this is like so funny and also desperately sad someone had set up a GoFundMe account oh, for no, him oh no I didn't called, know um, that it was called Pete Davidson Homeless oh my god and he said oh. he was new, now looking for a new living situation looking um, for a roommate looking for a roommate anyone got any Ugh. rooms free um, and then and, uh, the bit where he said, I'm afraid to get my own mum tattooed on me. That's how bad it is. God, that's tragic. He just, I mean, we talked before about how he, he had matching tattoos with Cassie Who Davis. Who do we feel worse for in this scenario? I, I sort of feel, I don't I'm know. I'm desperately worried for both of them. Um, just, they had, both of them have had the t- tattoos covered up. Again, really quickly. Yeah. Ariana Grande had um, posted on Instagram sort of a, a thing. She was having get together with some friends who she'd said they had helped her through everything. And you can see on her hand, um, she's got now like, got a feather on one of oh, her yeah, hands like where she had or, got yeah, yeah, something yeah. they had together. So... It all seems... She wore a pl- plaster to cover up something. Yeah, she did like an appearance at a, a Wicked anniversary show, didn't she, for mm. the musical? And she had like plasters over her fingers where she had the matching bits. I mean, it's all desperately sad. She's still got though. Mm-hmm. I mean, firstly, I, I knew they had... I keep losing count of just how many tattoos they got for each other. I mean, they were really pushing it here. Yeah, like, right. cannot believe how down... Like, how quickly this all went downhill. Five so months quickly. They've nothing. seen like out till the week before. What the fuck? It's wild. Um, and also, the fact that she has a tattoo on her ankle mm-hmm. honouring Pete Davidson's dad. What are you going to do with that? Oh, yeah, she did that get that, didn't she? That was weird. You're going to cover that up? What are you going to... That's really awkward. Someone you've never met as well. Right? Very, like, very Like, he old. died long before you, but, like, wow, are you going to cover that up? Well, did it seems... Leave it? Yeah, I mean, it seems to have gotten quite nasty as well. Um, there was um, a trailer for the oh, upcoming yes. SNL episode with Jonah Hill hosting um, Maggie Rogers as the musical guest. And in one of the segments, Pete sort of is there and he asks Maggie to marry Hey, Maggie, him. do you want to get married? And she says no, and he says oh for three. And then in a tweet that was hastily deleted, Ariana sort of quote tweeted it and, and posted something about... Beef saying that you know he'd always said how much he hates relevancy and look at him trying to stay relevant and she deleted it but obviously the internet picked up on it I mean it's such an odd like you say they seemed like they were so together and they'd got a pig and you know it seemed <laughs> um, they were so they were just so grounded they'd got the pig together well I know it more, um, it's more that it felt like you know obviously she, she'd she gone through like a really shit time oh, with yeah. Matt Miller dying and mm-hmm. it felt like it's okay because she'd got a good support system and then actually now you wonder how much of that was just I don't know fabric Oh, or not yeah. true. It's all, it just feels odd. It all it all happens so quickly, like the, the beginning and the end, that you do wonder like what overlapped and what. It's I'm, just what a big old mess. I eh? mean, Tom and I were saying actually how we're really looking forward to the episode of SNL with. <laughs> Jonah hosting because I'm I'm sure that Pete will appear with some sort of self deprecation. Gonna have to do it. That's yeah, part I mean, of his humor anyway. Isn't he'd, it? He he sort of meant even in there've only been three episodes of this new season of SNL. They've had like a two week break, but in one of the episodes he'd made reference to Ariana before anyway because obviously he knows that everyone's aware of how that's how he spent his 
is summer. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, all they can do is reference each other. I mean, she's got a, a new album that's got a fucking song about, like, she's going to play that song now. This is just all I so like to... Can Im- we not hurry into stuff like this from now on? Right. I like to imagine that there'll be, like, a deluxe version of that album where she'll have changed the song's name or it'll go. <laughs> God, can you imagine? <gasps> that would be so scathing. Controversial. Oof. So, um, R.I.P. Pete and Ari's relationship. Let's see. Um, I mean, by the by the looks of the, like, covering tattoos, that's, like, fully done, so. Well, that's yeah. That's not like we're broken up and we're getting back. Although, again, who well, knows? Well, no, because this is the thing. When it was initially announced, the impression was they were just having a bit of a break because we they were like, gotten yeah, too much. they'll be back together. But we're obsessed with each other. Oh, no, maybe not. It seems like it's gotten very vicious, so. Um, it's all, yeah. We wish them both well. It'll be very interesting to see who uh, Pete Davidson buddies up with now. Um, so here ends the, uh, the Ariana and Pete timeline that we've been featuring regularly every episode r.i.p pouring one out um our second uh piece of news this time we've gone for just two pieces because we had a feeling this might come on go on for a bit so timmy and harry obviously yeah both people rather close to our heart and exceptionally podcasts yeah are, have been they you know it's been the stars we've wanted the stars to align with them for quite a while they're so similar in different ways it's if, just if someone had asked us what our dream would be i think it would be timmy and harry be him timmy and harry together exactly um and earlier this week id teased on instagram that something was coming yeah i mean this all happened very quickly it was very rapid they teased id teased and then thursday yeah it was thursday so we had this drop that was you know on their instagram stories like mr chalamet mr styles Everyone just absolutely lost their shit and my WhatsApp between you and Von exploded in the middle of work. It's really hard to deal it's with this awful. stuff when you're at work and trying to be an adult. And then, like, within... I thought it was... I honestly thought they were going to keep us hanging for, like, two months until that thing so came out. So did I. I thought they would build it and build it. They waited, like, 30 seconds and then an interview, Timothy Chalamet and Harry Styles dropped on their website and is going to be out in their next issue so Um, the thing about this that i think was quite funny so when we went to see beautiful boy at london film festival mm. and timmy was obviously present as he's the star of the film and one of the things that he was asked on the red carpet was and again we've been waiting for someone to ask him this right it was specifically about harry at the time was wearing a lovely floral lovely alexander mcqueen suit amazing hand-painted suit and someone had think made reference to the fact that it was very similar to the harry's worn something very similar yeah and um, floral. He his response to questions about Harry was quite sheepish, and it was, and it sent kind of the stand underbelly into overdrive you just knew something was coming yeah and i think it was either like they were friends or they were working on something there was something they were like trying to lay low about yeah so it was quite funny when this appeared and we were like oh god like god it all just happened at once too quickly it was too much and and it it really did feel quite a lot like we just dreamt it into existence like i did i think we have well i mean we we have really thinking about it we have all realistically willed this into existence because this wasn't a thing until the entirety of the internet and that Harry as Timmy, Timmy as Harry Insta Twitter account made it a thing. It just makes me feel like I've got secret powers. Superpowers. We have super secret superpowers. So the um the interview itself is, is a lot. It's a lot. The quote, the hottest actor on the planet interviewed by music's most charismatic pop star. I would argue that this is leaving out the hot part and the charismatic part for each of them. Yeah. But I mean, that's quite a, I mean, it's true. It's, it's a true. true statement. It's a true fact. It is. Um. So it's, it's quite a long interview. It's, Very long. I mean, my one criticism is it's a phone interview. Come yeah. on now. I wanted them in the same room, but fine. 
In it, they discuss pushing themselves creatively, uh, Beautiful Boy, Addiction, Call Me By Your Name and its sequel, Journal Keeping, Politics, all the hard-hitting stuff, social media, masculinity, and at the end, they do a bit of a quick fire about the things that they love. Should we just discuss some of our highlights? Because this was a lot, and actually, this was, in particular a lot for Harry Styles to be talking about because he just never speaks. Well, we, I think we've talked before about the fact that Harry's quite keeps his cards close to his chest a lot of the time. He's and, a mysterious and, man, and, isn't You he? know, there's this sort of absolute well-discussed notion that everyone just has this construct as Harry as one thing that's individual to them yes. because so much of what he does is not reveal information about himself. And a lot of this felt quite candid. It did. Way more candid than I think any... Like that, when you think back to that Rolling Stones interview that we discussed on this podcast, you didn't get any of this. No, and it's funny, I think actually if you read the Rolling Stone article and then made a list of like the information that Harry actually gives up in that, it would be it's like, like two lines. Two b- lines two that points. you already know. Like yeah. he's got a sister and a mum. Yeah. And like <laughs> He was born from a mother. Yeah, that's and, it. And uh, has siblings. So um the thing that I thought off the bat was quite funny about this and that I knew absolutely would have destroyed you. I mean, it's worth bearing in mind as well, it took me a long time to actually read this because I, I just, went for a walk. I I couldn't bring myself to sit and read it because I knew it was gonna make me feel You knew what was coming it made me knew it was going to make me feel so desperately unwell with anxiety and stress and elation so the interview begins with harry styles quoting david bowie which is this is the first line i've put as well in caps yeah harry styles quotes david bowie which is a lot for me yeah so the first question he asked um timmy is um david bowie once said that creativity is like wading out into the ocean you wade out to the point where you can't touch the bottom you're a little scared and that's where you do your best work do you agree it's just <laughs> such a pretentious wanker i love you it absolutely dream um, um yeah also um timmy swears a lot which i'm very on board for yeah there's lots of there's lots of f's and blinding you do, in this, you do uh, get lots of interesting pieces of information I so you do one thing that i really enjoyed was um learning that army hammer assisted with the setup of the war yes. memorial scene in call me by your name yes where um elio finally confesses his feelings to oliver it says on the day luca didn't quite know how he wanted to shoot it and it was actually army hammer who had the idea to do it in one take in a wide shot it took away the whole cringy hollywood feeling if you meet the movie you can't tell it's somebody telling some somebody else they're in love with them which oh, that's one of my favorite scenes it as is well, easily so. one of the best scenes of the film and um now we know that harry's seen it and that's a lot as well yeah i really enjoyed when he was asking timmy about sort of secret messages and codings and mementos and movies and yep. timmy says that when they were shooting in the house for call me by your name there were lots of nooks and crannies where i felt safer too oh, much too much um imagining him in that house just makes me die just too much do we want to discuss peaches is I've, I've just written Harry thinks about Timmy jizzing whenever he eats a peach. So this was the thing I think that as I was reading, I had to stop at this butt and just chill out. So it's like they purposefully know what we wanted to know. So Harry asks Timmy, can you still eat peaches? Timmy laughs and says, "Um, I can, but not without thinking about it. Because we already know, just to say, that Army and Timmy both tried this just to make sure it was factually possible. That was a revelation we learned a few weeks ago was actually they both had done it and were satisfactory. Satisfied that it was. Harry then follows up by saying, I've had a hard time. Had a hard time not thinking about Timmy jizzing in peaches when he's eating peaches. Can't see a peach without thinking about Timmy. Um, Timmy says, that's the most awkward scene to see with your parents in the whole world, my poor father. And then Harry says, I'm sure he's done it too. I'm sure he's done it too. Which means two things. One, he's saying that he assumes that Timmy's father has also done it with a peach. But also, in turn, that means Harry has done it with a peach. Harry's definitely done it with a peach. Because I'm sure he's done it too. So... 
what are we saying both of you have tried this out that's a that's a lot do you think that the sale of peaches have increased exponentially since the release of call me by your name do you think it's like when we saw harry and afterwards they had to put a ban on selling kiwis to anyone under the age of 18 that they might now be doing the same with peaches in cities where timmy is touring i think so it's funny how we got we got very into kiwis last year I've, and peaches have been my fruit of choice and this the peaches year. Peaches have been my fruit of choice this year. What's going to happen with a banana next year? I wonder. Um, <laughs> Good God. Continue. I also really liked the fact that Harry discusses the importance of standing up for what you believe in. And oh my God. And again, this is something we've been like the whole fan base has been waiting for him to say yeah, for so long. He's very aware of the power of his position and his voice and how he can utilize that for enacting positive change which I think again this is something that is often well discussed where Harry Styles is concerned is that in the past he's been politically ambivalent or Mm. not really spoken up on things but increasingly with his solo shows he's sort of drawn attention to particular kind of social movements yes definitely you know things being very proactive about speaking out about the um, LGBTQ community and things like Mm. Black Lives Matter and that means a lot when you've got someone so prominent I think I can understand like especially initially you can understand why he might have wanted to remain a blank slate and mm-hmm. he thought he should yeah but i think increasingly he's realizing that he can't do that and that as you say he's got a responsibility and i think to it's his fans and to himself as well i think it's really telling that he just ch- has chosen to actually acknowledge that as well in this piece i thought mm. that was huge um there's also the the key the probably the most quotable part apart from the peaches part of the interview in which they discuss masculinity i love um, this both part. are kind of postable for this you know idea of newer idea of kind of you know masculinity and what it means um embracing dis- different aspects of you know masculinity and femininity mm-hmm. um timmy says uh, i want to say you can be whatever you want to be there isn't a specific notion or gene size or muscle shirt or affection or eyebrow raise or dissolution or drug use that you have to take part in to be masculine it's exciting and harry says in response I didn't grow up in a man's man world. I grew up with my mum and my sister, but I definitely think in the last two years I've become a lot more content with who I am. I think there's so much masculinity in being vulnerable and allowing yourself to be feminine, and I'm very comfortable with that. It was just really interesting to see the two of them talk about it because they're very similar in the way that they represent themselves outwardly. Mm. Like you say, they're not that kind of archetypal, quote-unquote, traditional example of of masculinity within within the celebrity realm, Mm. within society, and actually the fact that they're acutely aware of that and actually don't see it as being a negative thing. They're very comfortable with that, which is something that I've always kind of wondered is whether they have struggled because they're both quite young it's like mm-hmm. whether have they struggled with that um fortunately i think they've both existed in a space which has been like very nurturing for them Absolutely. in the music industry and in hollywood i yeah. don't think i think they've been sheltered from quite a lot of those external pressures yeah so they have been able to develop this way and they seem quite confident and comfortable with it which yeah I think which i think is really, really good and actually i think they're aware of the fact that like that itself um, their presence it can can probably just have an impact on mm. other sort of young men that mm. um, or anyone generally that yeah. it, when it comes to sort of feeling comfortable and in how you represent yourself to other yeah. people and I just it was just really lovely to see them talk about it you it know? really is one song one movie one book mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed the end of this interview after some you know deep dives 
that they were talking just it was just like total fan service yeah like, just list a bunch of stuff you like that we can all lose our minds over and like go out and buy and like you know this song's probably going to spring to the top of the spotify chart yeah this book's going to be trending on goodreads yeah just love it so much what are your highlights from uh well i really enjoyed the fact that timmy was unable to choose between whether he preferred cardi b or Nicki minaj and oh then he acknowledges God. their recent um he's so sad about and that how it's really bummed him out i enjoyed that <laughs> i love the idea of him just like scrolling through his phone being really sad being really sad about it. to be friends um i really enjoyed the revelation that timmy's um karaoke song is heart shaped box. box jesus kill me christ uh mine is that harry actually asked timmy what he wears in bed which is a total like move uh tim says nothing and then they just move on it's fine i do wonder whether they were given a list of like things can you please ask because you have to the internet is desperate to have you on record internet is desperate to know about peaches about what you wear in bed and what's your karaoke song um i love that timmy's like one song was a kid cuddy song and fucking harry's is Madame George by Van Morrison. Morrison. He is such a wanker. He's such a I dad. love it. Murakami is his like book of choice. You're right. Oh my word. It's just yeah, on on that side, the t- Timmy's such a nerd, and again, that's part of this kind of this idea of masculinity that I really love. Like he's unashamed to be like these are the things I he's geek just, out about. Yeah, very but, oh very vocal, God. isn't he? With these are the things that he's really really into. So funny. One thing that always crops up quite regularly, and we've had this with other articles that really does annoy me, is this idea of referring to their fan base as teens. Ugh, because stop. hello, yes, I'm thirty years old, and it might seem ridiculous to you that I'm like fangirling out about whatever this isn't news this isn't unusual like april and i are not unusual as much as some people might think we are this is something that like from a woman's perspective because i can't necessarily talk about how men feel but from a woman's perspective we've been doing this our whole lives and we will continue to do this our whole lives this is what we do it's not a teen thing that was that was incredibly patronizing in that in the build-up to the interview in sort of the blurb that's before the actual kind of just like um, sending like teens hearts into flutters like i'm a fucking grown woman and these things mean a lot to me as well i think what was um funnier about that is actually when you think about the demographic and the kind of mix of people that were at the show we went to when we saw harry last year it was a very varied mix of people really wasn't all teen girls no absolutely we were we were not in a minority as women in their late 20s that were there and similarly when we were at the london film festival to see a beautiful boy there was a really wide demographic of, of, of fan base there you know from yes okay there were young teen there mm. but then there were also women that were sort of our age and I think older, I think so. some of it is skewed sometimes by you know there are obviously a lot of teens who you know who are at school or have the time as students I'm just assuming to you know they might have that time to go and queue outside wherever to try and meet someone at the airport they've got like that extra time when you're yeah. younger also got just like the I don't know the energy and the stamina to go and wait outside somewhere for 12 hours mm-hmm. to meet them like it's not that I necessarily wouldn't like it's not that I've grown out of that it's no. like time commitments whatever you know it's just not on my priority list just because there's a bunch of kids out there it doesn't always represent the entire spectrum of the fan base and also just do we make we do we call like men who love wrestling teens no. like do we sort of like we don't talk about wrestlers no. and people who are you know really huge fans of wrestling which is again completely valid at any age but we don't refer to that as like a teen like obsession no. it just really fucks me off it's really it's really really condescending and I do 
do think you know like that the Timmy and, and Harry themselves aren't aren't teens. So no. why, why is there there this assumption that their entire fan base is made up with? I know obviously like Harry comes with like One Direction baggage. Yes, but at the same time that doesn't mean like you know he's growing up and then similarly mm. his fan base is growing up and it's an incredibly um, varied mix of people. Um, do we want to just talk about the photo set that accompanied these? <sighs> Yes, it's quite a lot to deal with. Um, Timothy Chalamet's jawline. This is a lot. The jawline... I mean, Timmy's jawline on a regular day-to-day basis is quite sharp. This, I assume, is very close to filming for Beautiful Boy. It felt in which like he, it was. I mean, he is like 18 pounds lighter and much more gaunt than he usually is. It's like killer gaunt, though. Yeah. Like, insane. The ones with his shirt open just is a lot. And today, actually, they've released IDT's this picture of Harry that we're not really sure where that's oh, come yeah, from that yet. Come from? Looks fairly recent. Is it going to be in the ID issue? I've definitely spent a lot of money on that magazine. Worth it, though. Is it? Yeah, it I hope so. It. Why do I a memento. Piece of it. It's a piece of history. It's a piece of history. The only, um, the only thing I wish for is that they would release the audio. I'm, and they've been teasing it, right? Ugh. You can't tease it and then never do it. I want to Nor- see how close the interview is to the audio. Normally, I wouldn't care about hearing the audio of someone talking to another person. These are two of the best but voices it's, it's that I could listen to. People forever. that have exceptionally Harry's talking voice is always a delight. Oh my god, I just want to and, hear um, Harry Styles say Mr. Chalamet. And when we um, were at London Film Festival and we saw the Q&A before Beautiful Boy actually hearing Tim- Timmy talk IRL was a lot <sighs> his little his just his voice man it's, it's so deep voice. they both got quite deep voice <sighs> uh, it's just on so totally we're just I, I mean I just I'm I'm still in an absolute state of disbelief that this even happened it's a lot I said I think I texted you the following morning and I said to you that one of the first things I said to Tom the next day was like it felt like a dream like it feels like a did dream did this really happen yeah and, and I just I spent so much of Thursday I mean, my, my entire day was a write off my Thursday. day was ruined as well and I, I, think I just felt like in such a heightened state of anxiety not in a <laughs> Not we've like gone, a, we've mentioned this quite a few times before, yeah. like prior to Beautiful Boy. I was in such having such a manic episode of like I was it was too exciting. It was too it was had like moved from excitement into like anxiety. And that's kind of the same, right? I was just sat at my desk texting you and Vaughn and I thought I I think I said like my heart is thumping so much and I genuinely thought I was gonna have a panic attack. <laughs> but not like I mean I, I unfortunately have panic attacks fairly frequently, but it wasn't like a bad doom world ending no. panic attack it was like this Extreme. is just too much, this is too this much. Is too I think more much. people need to admit in the world that they're having panic they're out there having panic attacks over things that they find just too beautiful this was just too it was too much it's a beautiful so, thing but it moves from distressing to beautiful in equal it's measure. just a treat I've read it a couple of times now and I just think it's just delightful I think it is the treat we all deserve I think for this cold cold November absolutely they're just so eloquent in what they say a lot of the time and I've noticed that in interviews Clever boys, aren't they? Yeah, in interviews with them separately in the past, they've always, you know, they're very... Timmy comes out with words sometimes. Like, I'm like seven years older than you and I've never used that word in my life. He's so intelligent. It's so... They're both very, very clever and they need a lot of credit for that. Truly the best early Christmas gift we could have. Um, So that's news done. Uh, we'll just move on to what we've been enjoying. Um, Enjoying's an interesting <laughs> word, April. Things I've put, things we've 
seen tolerated um so we thought we'd do movies first um we've been sort of seeing quite a lot of things recently oh god so Um, much one thing we had the misfortune of enduring was venom so um directed by ruben fleischer um who directed gangster squad and zombie land it stars tom hardy as journalist eddie brooke who while trying to take down tech founder carton drake finds himself infected by the alien symbiote and soon becomes um venom um the film itself stars michelle williams riz ahmed and jenny slate among others um tom hardy apparently became involved after taking taking the advice of his son. Uh, I've written here. This, that was a bad idea. This says it all. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a quote from the IMDb trivia, which I trawled after seeing the film because I just was baffled. It says, um, Tom Hardy's son, Louis, is a fan of Venom and Hardy took the role to please him. Quote, I wanted to do something my son could watch, so I did something where I bite people's heads off. Um, Louis also guided his father on how to appropriately portray Brock and Venom since Hardy didn't know the character very well. What, did your son go to acting school already? What? <laughs> I mean, isn't like his son like 10 or 11? or something I mean I probably wouldn't take acting advice from my um, pre-teen child Um, the film itself has sort of been largely critically panned but also somehow a box office success of course as most things are Um, the post credit scene which I won't spoil but it does suggest a sequel oh my god I forgot the post credit scene about which I feel it's unnecessary so what are your general thoughts on the film because I feel like we're in agreement I've barely written I haven't written any notes because I was just so bored. It was I was awful. so bored and we never contemplate leaving films and I just wanted to leave and like 45 minutes in, I checked with you how long the film was so I could do some arithmetic <laughs> and work out whether I could last the other like 45 minutes. What is this plot? Who wrote this script? Why is the symbiote such a bloody narc? Like... <laughs> why why did Riz Ahmed and Michelle Williams like why do these people agree to a film was it literally so they could hang out with Tom Hardy I feel like I think I've I've definitely read that Michelle Williams specifically wanted to work with Tom Hardy so I suppose if someone approaches you they just meet him for coffee or something (laughs) right they've got mutuals they should be able to hang out so I guess if someone approaches you with a script and says like oh Tom Hardy's attached to this then it might sway you I mean I I found where she was concerned her wig was baffling to me literally why that hair um, Why was she even? She wasn't even in it. She didn't mean anything. Should we do it's some? Just, so I'm going to do a brief spoiler warning here because I do want to talk about specific things in the plot. So it's not spoil. I mean, honestly, just don't go and see it. Just listen to our I mean, review, the, and that's it. The plot itself isn't particularly coherent. There's so no I, plot. We could talk about it, and it would be fine. Um, Riz Ahmed playing a sexy Elon Musk doesn't work. Doesn't work for me. I'm it, really disappointed. This is like the first time I've been Riz. You like this is bad. Not only is the script bad the acting is bad he he was fine but it does feel like he was in a different film it just felt yeah he was just so boring um jenny slate is is good in it but they get rid of jenny slate's character so soon so soon but in a mysterious way i just assume she's dead she's just not in it anymore the dialogue is abhorrent the dialogue is so bad the moment the symbiote started talking i just wanted to die hello (laughs) it's just i just cringed for everyone on the screen, everyone in the cinema, myself. I never, ever, ever, when we go to the cinema, check my phone Yeah, this during is real, film. like, testament. Right, to... never. And there were multiple occasions during Venom. Bear in mind, Venom is only an hour and a half long, that I got my phone out of my bag. Just give it a check. Just to check what time check. it was. How we much... broke the rules because it was that. It was just so boring. There was you, you and I went with Tom and our friend Alex, and we just all were just bored. Squirming. Squirming. Like, we were all squirming. 
cringing. It's so off-putting as well to be in a cinema of people who are laughing and embarrassed. For something... So obviously Venom is a Marvel movie. It's, I thought you were going to say a marvellous movie. It's a marvelous no, it's, it's a... You know, so Venom is a Marvel character. He appeared in Spider-Man originally. But this is not in, in line or in any way attached This is to... the first in Sony's Marvel universe, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so it's I not... don't know what that means and I don't care. But well, it's just they just... own the rights to it. Okay, so this um, is a really bad omen as if this is their first Yeah, I, it's film. just... It's not in any way in line with the calibre of the other MCU oh, no. movies. And, and, I, just... and, you know, I can take or leave. Like, Absolutely. I'm invested in some of the films and not others, but this is like... This movie is dirge. set in 2018, but it feels more like those early 2000s superhero the CGI movies. effects in this. Oh, everything about Cringe. it was bad. And it just, it felt so dated. How can something be set in the present day and be so but dated? But film like it's from 2005. Like, yes, it just totally. feels like, tonally, it feels like it predates all of the... It was like before The Incredible Hulk came yeah. out. Level of like, it just feels what so is this? Dated. It's so, it's old before it had even gone out on the screen. And I just... It's not going to age well. No. And I never want to see it again. It was, it's got to be some of the worst screenwriting that I have ever come across. The dialogue's just It was so cringy. bad. And I have quoted the most quotable part of the film. Go because on. Because when I read this out to Wes, he just stared at me blankly and he said, you're lying. He was like, you're lying to me. That's not in the film. And I had to go on YouTube and prove to him that near the end of the film... Venom says, you go anywhere in this city preying on innocent people and we will find you and we will eat both of your arms and then both of your legs and then we will eat your face right off your head. You will be this armless, legless, faceless thing going down the street like a turd in the wind. I can't believe that's a line from a film we saw. I paid £3.30 for that privilege, April. I think that was too much money I should have bought, to I pay should, for it. I should have bought a shitty Starbucks coffee. The, the flip side to this is that our, our dear friend Vaughn... Oh, yes. Like, Vaughn's our Stephen. This is, what did she say? This is the hill on which I will die. This is die. the hill on which she's going to die because she just says that... I mean, she can see that it's ostensibly a bad film, but also she enjoyed it so this much. This is the thing. Like, there are films that I... This is where we differ because there are bad films that I enjoy because they are bad I just found this boring and not even the the funny bad stuff could take that away from no me. it was it just felt like really like a huge misstep every so often when I I see this Venom. is bad by Tom Hardy's standards and I will defend even Tom Hardy's face could not save me enough. in this film it no. was not enough absolutely I keep every so often when I see Venom referred to in things I'm reading and stuff I just get like sort of flashbacks to things that happened in it my favourite part being so um, the me. fact that Venom says that he can't go back to his home planet oh because my God. like Eddie Brock he too is a loser I'm like, a loser too like that and Venom goes from being like bad to good in like a nanosecond and, and I you're think, like what I thought he was the bad guy I think you leaned over to me at one point and you were like wait I thought he was bad and I was like no he's good now like and no there's, there were a couple of points where I actually didn't understand what was going I don't on. I was happening. And there is no plot, and yet I was still and had to be like, April, what is what's this bit? What's going and on? she'd have to try and explain because I just couldn't. I think this is happening, but I'm not sure. I could oh, be. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, back to the embarrassment. We are going to get Vaughn to record a defence of Venom because I think it's really important that we hear both perspectives. <laughs> I, I, and I, I deep, think it's good. For I a deeply laugh. respect her opinion most of the time. Oh my god, so. I do. And you know, I just want to know where 
where she's coming from here. So hopefully we'll have that as a mini-sode afterwards. Yeah, I'm glad there's someone in the world that enjoyed it, because I definitely didn't. Um, Next on our long list of films that we've seen um, at the cinema recently. Feels like we've been living there, but in a good way. Halloween. We saw Halloween. Halloween 2018, um, directed by David Gordon Green, who um, has also worked on Stronger, Our Brand is Crisis, Prince Avalanche and Pineapple Express. Um, It's got a screenplay uh, written by him with Jeff Fradley and Danny McBride. And I think the pair have collaborated quite a bit in the past. Yeah, they have. Blumhouse Productions are on board. Um, They've been responsible uh, for films such as Get Out, Insidious, The Purge, Split, Happy Death Day, Paranormal Activity and Sinister. So a real mix of quality there. Um, (laughs) This film, set in present day, picks up straight after the 1978 original. So it ignores all of the previous sequels and all of their histories and it's been it's been a much anticipated film really for better or for worse I think people as I guess as we kind of went into things like Suspiria expect not really expecting whether mm-hmm. to love it or hate it people felt the same about Halloween and again this has had really mixed reactions yep. so the loose plot of the film is 40 years after the events of the original which uh, are the murders in Haddonfield Illinois two true crime podcasters travel to Smith's Grove <laughs> don't laugh Smith's Grove Rehabilitation Hospital to interview um, Michael Myers before he's transported to a new facility. They also try and interview Laurie Strode, um, who's the survivor of the original murders, who's now living with PTSD. Both interviews fail. Michael escapes during his transfer and Laurie has to face him again after all those years. Have you watched many of the Halloween films before? I think I've actually only seen the first one. Yep. And, and then H2O. And then H2O in the in nineteen ninety eight. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, classic. With starring Michelle Williams and Josh Hartnett. Yes, and funnily enough, that film is ranked quite highly in people's rankings of Halloween, which says a lot, I think, for the general the quality general yeah. of the yeah. Um I'm similar to you, I know I've seen Halloween Halloween, Halloween two, Halloween H two O. I haven't watched a lot of the others. I think because there are such mixed emotions towards them and mixed qualities. Well, it's kind of like, I love the original Halloween and yeah. I kind of don't feel like I need anything. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, that. actually. I think um, in the build-up to this, I think I was blissfully unaware of actually how many kind of sequels. I think, there's, I think there are nine films. There are, and I've completely not been aware of the fact that Rob Zombie... Oh my God, no, done... I've seen the I've seen the Rob Zombie one. It Have is you? so shit. It's, it's funny. so I, bad. Yeah, see, I, I didn't even realise. Unwatchable, don't. It's not good. So it's not that like we've both, we both went into this as big fans. I I yeah. think we're fans of the original yeah. and it's just such a classic it's such a perfect piece of horror filmmaking um, and it's kind of the first real slasher I went in with pretty low expectations absolutely the same I left thinking it was better than I expected yep. on reflection yep. my opinion has gone down again oh okay so we can discuss this because I think you you probably have higher opinion of it now than I I've just been thinking it through and I've I've changed my, my opinion I mean, again I think my general opinion on it was that I wanted to to go and see it because I was intrigued by the fact that a Danny McBride was involved. Yeah, yeah. Which, what do you feel? How do you feel about Danny McBride? I quite like him. Yeah, I think I like him. Well, I, Sometimes I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, so I've enjoyed what I've seen of Eastbound and Down. Eastbound and Down is pretty good. Yeah. I do quite like it when he appears in in a comedy film that I am watching because you know where you stand. It's like with stoner Danny. comedy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, what, have you seen Pineapple Express? Yes. Yeah, I quite enjoyed yeah, Pineapple yeah. Express for what it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, and I do. I think it was. I remember first being aware of his involvement in this new Halloween film when he was doing press for the most recent Alien film. Oh uh, yeah, and that didn't help. 
no and he sort of had mentioned it then and I was like oh okay that's weird like he's doing that but fine I mean so you know my anticipation for it was relatively low like I always like watching something horror based in the cinema around Halloween I'm really grateful for a slasher film a because we haven't had a slasher film in absolutely ages, that came out around Halloween yeah I think that's always like, it's nice yeah it's sort of it feels always feels timely and and my enjoyment of horror films has sort of grown exponentially mm. as the older I've gotten so I do actually enjoy quite a lot now going to the cinema to watch them because in the past I would have avoided going to see anything yeah. like that yeah. at all um so it felt like a kind of a nice thing to be doing I mean so my I wasn't particularly attached to the original but like you say I enjoy it I'm aware of the fact mm. that it's a trailblazer in terms of being one it's of the so first good. slashers and, it's, it, and so it's, good. it's good you know I think it I think if you watch it now I think it holds up and oh god it really and, does and you know Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Stroud as you know the kind of you the know final girl final she's girl. the final girl strong female character so I went into it kind of being like oh well if anything like it'll be a fun couple of hours and, yeah. and I enjoyed it yeah I wasn't blown away by it no. I don't think it reinvented the wheel I know that it intentionally makes a lot of visual references back to the yes. original yeah. which on the one hand are fine but also I yeah it felt yeah. a bit it almost felt repetitive yeah it was like trying to play fan service but also it kind of didn't really work it was kind of in a rip-off kind of way there's a thin line between being like purposely self-referential yes. to acknowledge your history and then also just kind of being like this feels like you've almost gone beat for beat to tr- sort of make something new that's a sequel but then you're also retreading yeah I mean it. the plot of Mike Myers like crashing and escaping during like a prison transfer that I mean is that is just the original the introduction of like a fake Dr. Loomis didn't I was like that's just in the original that was alarm bells for yeah, me that yeah that was weird and also like I can't testify to all of this but people have said that there are a lot of references to the other Halloween films oh, really? but they're not supposed to be counting them so that's a bit weird no because well. they've talked about the fact that obviously so this there is, is meant to be sort of like 40 years after the original mm. but it completely ignores the previous installments mm. within the kind of the canon I mm. guess or obviously it ignores the fact that in one of the sequels I know that it's sort of revealed that Michael Myers mm-hmm. is meant to be Laurie's brother yeah. Halloween you know, too, yeah. that completely is disregarded in mm-hmm. this and I suppose there are positive positives and negatives to that but it did feel kind of I don't know slightly strange to then kind of be filling in or flagging elements of, of sequel yeah. content yeah. That, yeah. but you're that you're disregarding I yeah. don't know it's, it's a bit it was a there was nothing like hugely original in it um I think the beginning I, I don't know if it was the same for you the very beginning at Smith's Grove rehabilitation alarm bells rang for me almost instantly and I was like shit I really hope I'm not sitting through a two-hour Rob Zombie film because the rehabilitation centre, the treatment of people with mental illness in that section... It's going to like, age badly. This is this is bad. Like, this is not good. It was very Rob Zombie. Oh, God. I, I worry similarly that in the way that the representation of those with kind of mental health issues is going to age badly, the inclusion of the true crime podcast oh is, is God, going to age Oh, my God, it's going to age so badly. When they came in, I, like, five seconds, I was like, I really hope they die. If this is the whole plot of the film with them, I'm not going to last. I understand that you want to make sure that people are aware of that this is 40 years later, that's 2018. So it's but, irrelevant. But it's just, it felt kind of hokey. And we but, are podcasters and we don't 
want that in that. It oh, it was weird. so bad. And they were also so annoying. Very English. Um, really, come on now. Are the English that, are we that bad? Are we that hokey? I don't, oh, I really hope not. No, I hope Funnily not. enough, I think the gas station scene, slight spoiler, the gas station scene with them is a, quite a strong, oh, I yeah. quite enjoyed that. Yeah. With the teeth, that was Some of the other fun moments I enjoyed, probably one of the only original moments, uh, is the bit in the backyard with the motion light sensor in the garden. That was really good. Didn't actually make much sense. Some of the panning shots through the neighbourhood on Halloween when Mike was kind of stalking around worked. And I did like the ending. Yeah, that um, was good. The kind of final showdown between Michael and Laurie. I was surprised that I liked Laurie's family as much as I did. I warmed to them quite a lot. I thought they were quite well-rounded and likeable characters. I think it was interesting to show kind of like the ongoing impact that her initial trauma has had Mm. on her life. Laura's managed to move on and and has been married and has had a child, but Mm. you can see that actually like she's still dealing with everything that happened to her on that night. Um, and how it's, how it's then subsequently affected her yeah. relationship with her daughter and how she daughter's upbringing and all of that. And that, that was mm. sort of interesting to me. Yeah, I almost feel like... I think there were quite a few plots going on here in this film. And I do... That idea of Laurie dealing with her trauma, I don't actually think that even got enough screen time. I really wanted that part to be developed yeah, more. Yeah, same. It was like, I thought the final 20 minutes of the film was strong. I wanted there to be more of that. She was kind of this weird flailing side character for two thirds of it and then she came into her own at the end yeah I just wanted to almost focus solely on her yeah. PTSD um, she was a bit like kooky grandmother to begin with that I didn't really like no I didn't I think there are really interesting things that could have been explored with kind of trauma and the legacy of trauma and, and what happens yeah, when definitely. your family has an experienced a history of trauma and how that then would affect the way that you would you know raise your children and then subsequently right. raise your grandchildren I think that could have been a really interesting kind of avenue to explore yeah, but it just not, felt like it referenced it and then just moved on yeah not and, like the podcasters not the fake Dr Loomis who was weird and another thing that kind of ties into that that I think didn't quite work Michael Myers himself the mask was really good I don't think he was that scary he was kind of a bit shambling like when he the look of that neighbourhood scene when he's walking around the neighbourhood on Halloween it looked really cool but he was kind of like aimlessly walking around walking into the house stabby stabby walking somewhere else stabby stabby there was no like you know maybe the point is that he aimlessly kills because he's a monster but then it didn't make sense why he eventually ended up trying to settle a score almost with Laurie it was like okay well is he just like a mindless killer or is he deliberately did he just accidentally come across her at the end is he supposed to have this showdown like, it didn't feel like shit? it didn't feel like he had any sort of clear kind of trajectory no, or like game it was, plan it like aimless 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 now they're having the 40 year showdown yeah it's, it why didn't... like there were some weird moments that I think he was supposed to kind of be really excited for, like when he fi- puts the mask on for the first time, when he picks up, like puts down a, I don't know, it was like a hammer or something, picks up the knife. Yeah. And they didn't have the impact I think they kind of wanted them to. No, I didn't I didn't find him scary. And I think maybe that's just because you've got this kind of like 40 year yeah. legacy and of it. And he's very scary in the first yeah, one. Yeah, absolutely. He's really creepy. Just standing outside her house watching her and he's really like centred in on her 
her in that film and in this film it's not like that so I'm kind of not sure why the showdown happened at the end it kind of I wanted him to be throughout the film like mm-hmm. she was the person that he was trying to find mm-hmm. and it didn't really do that there was kind of some humorous moments that I thought it was supposed to be kind of most of the time it felt like quite a serious like a straight faced film and then there were these like comedy Danny McBride moments yeah. with the kid with the babysitter yeah. which was like funny again walking on stereotypes a bit there that were yeah. a bit like I think the fact that I got distracted by bubble tea for ages and had to ask you what that thing was that that girl was drinking probably Um, wasn't a good sign. I did think that it was quite funny that so the one of the young sort of the teenagers that the friend of her granddaughter is played by Miles Robbins Mm. um, who is the son of Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon and he just plays this kind of like sort of stoner kid and he's for me um, there was a movie that came out this year called Blockers and Mm. he plays essentially the same role in Blockers so do, for me that was kind of quite jarring because I was like oh here Miles Robbins is, is playing like if you're thinking about stuff like stone. that yeah, it's yeah not that's, it just well. took me out of it a little yeah. bit so I think the Masters of Horror podcast that I listened to that was really good they did like an interesting episode on this and it was kind of one of them enjoyed the movie more than the other in the interview but they asked like what more could we expect from a slasher film in 2018 and I sort of agree in that I guess there's not like loads more that you could do but I also thought that some of this was like quite a, a cop out um, I do wish they kind of stuck with the Laurie stuff the PTSD the trauma a lot more I just think it would have been a better movie so I mean it's obviously it's doing like fucking is gross like 174 million worldwide they're already doing a sequel so there's not going to be any problems here with this no I feel um, like it doesn't need another instalment oh but God, like... no. I don't I don't think it you know personally I yeah I had such low expectations that I came out thinking like oh I did you know I I kind of had I did have fun watching it do you ever need to see it again probably not no no there you go um something else we also saw uh this week in fact is that we went to see Mandy yes um, so it's written and directed by um, Panos Kosmatos. Best Nick. name ever, by I the had way. to check that that... Panos... That, did you check that was his real name? Yeah, yeah he is... Um, is he a ta- Greek-Italian? I think he's Greek, yeah. Born in Canada... Uh, lives in Canada. Very interesting kind of background. So it stars Nicolas Cage and Angela Riseborough as a couple living in a remote wooded area in 1983 who were terrorised by a religious cult leader and his hippie followers and an occult biker gang. Um, the <sighs> film itself has a score by Johan Johansson, um, mm. who sadly passed away this year. It was one of the last projects he worked on before his death and the yes. film itself is dedicated to him I guess the film is quite a 70s 80s aesthetic references yeah. to films of the period as well as having a general kind of surreal vibe atypical of films from that um, time it's very visually trippy and heavily inspired by um, psychedelia there's yes. a lot of a thread throughout the film about the use of LSD, LSD. Yeah, um, yeah. and it's sort of the effect that would have um, on people uh, Mandy herself as well creates fantasy art and um, the opening titles are soundtracked by King Crimson there are lots of references to space and the cosmos um, and there are also some sort of animated elements Mm. um, to convey the dreams and hallucinations experienced Mm. by some of the characters um Mm. what what did you think when I went in, I was quite nervous. There were a lot of neck beards in our screening, and I was a little bit concerned. Yeah. But it was as batshit as I expected. It was bananas, wasn't I it? I thought the characterisation was stronger than I expected. Yeah. And I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, it's funny because I don't think that I I'd read a few um, reviews. I hadn't of it. read a lot to be honest. I'd seen the trailer, and that was pretty much. I wasn't going by too much more. I hadn't seen the trailer, but oh, okay. I'd read some accounts um, and reviews about it from sort of a couple of the film festivals. I think it premiered at Sundance at the start. Of 
of this year mm. um, and then it's sort of been floating around it had a um, brief theatrical release in the states and then went straight to video on demand yes. yeah um so when it we saw that it was going to be screening in our city we immediately leapt on it because the distribution of it here has been quite funny so um i'd read about it but i hadn't seen the trailer and mm. i knew it was going to be absolutely bananas i think when you go in to see anything with nicholas cage now you, you know it's gonna you know they're gonna play on that right you anticipate that it's going to be operating at like kind of extreme degree always because of what he's like and it definitely delivered on yeah that front. it's i really enjoyed it i didn't um i didn't quite expect there to be so many kind of like fan servicey cultural references mm. um which i really loved you know as you mentioned like there's a lot of pulpy fantasy and sci-fi novels sci-fi and horror films heavy metal like all the psychedelic kind of aspects there were really strong allusions to like David Lynch, mm. to Hellraiser with the bikers, yeah. with Mad Max, that Evil Dead chainsaw kind of yeah. scene. There's even like elements of Buffalo Bill in the cult leader of the hippie cult. Yeah. And I really enjoyed kind of picking those out. So it's kind of, it takes that really simple kind of revenge narrative, um, but there's just packed in with loads of like imagery and references that were just really general counterculture things. That I think if you're into that, you're just going to find really fun. I was interested to read afterwards that set in 1983 so it's like solidly in the middle of that kind of satanic panic era um i was reading about there's a snippet of audio in the car that is uh from president reagan's evil empire speech so it all kind of ties into that stuff some of that stuff i didn't pick up on because i didn't really know about before Mm -hmm. but it's it's been a lot of fun to read up up about again afterwards yeah it's funny because i think my immediate response when we came out is i think that i was um it was quite overwhelming because it was just relentless in in how it's quite a long film again i know we love talking about film lengths but like for this type of film it's like two hours and you know yeah i mean the, the sort of the pacing of it i suppose is it's good but mm. it is because of the level of of sort of visual intensity there's there are no kind of apart from occasionally when you'd have an animated scene mm-hmm. which i suppose would kind of I suppose would kind of break up the kind mm. of relentless yeah. sort of barrage of mm. kind of gore and mm. violence and intensity it's pretty overwhelming so yeah. I think when I came out of it I was just very much like uh, I don't know like what I think about that yeah, yeah. but actually when I've kind of thought about it in the in the sort of the week we've yeah. had kind of since I think I really enjoyed it yeah. and I've I've been really relentlessly listening to the Johan Johansson oh, yeah, soundtrack yeah, yeah. because it's just amazing and I think that like you actually I've been reading up a lot on the film and actually kind of picking apart some of the sort of things within it and actually I think it it really lends itself well to that kind of analysis yeah, and you know fun, interrogation yeah. but not in a way that sort of feels like you're doing your homework but more no. just because like oh I really want to know like what the director and was influenced by and if that if that thing I thought was a reference to what actually was, was like, or not yeah, yeah I came out thinking like you know would anyone else mention the Buffalo Bill thing and then I think I think it was Mark Kermode actually mentioned it mm. and I was like ah other people are thinking that too the beginning actually like I anticipated this to be batch and funny and it was funny in parts but build up at the beginning there's a good 40 minutes or so of um, Red and Mandy and their relationship together um, which was very intense and kind of built the characters up really nicely which I hadn't expected no I hadn't so yeah I really enjoyed that there was more characterisation than I anticipated and there's a scene in the bathroom where it's almost like you know 
Nicolas Cage's character snaps and it is funny but it's also like you can feel a very palpable ret and it's kind of really horrible and tragic at the same time it's really like you don't I felt like in that particular scene actually where he sort of do you really want to laugh at him yeah I I couldn't tell if I was supposed to be finding this funny because it's Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage actually it's like this is someone that's just been through a really horrifying experience and is like really visibly trying to process that and also knows that he wants to go out and get those people that have just absolutely traumatised him and essentially ruined his life and he's trying to muster the energy and actually like it's been a long I mean you know we had a conversation in the car on the way home about Mm. Nicolas Cage and I think that like this proves that actually you can take that kind of Nicolas Cage extreme performance and really use it to your advantage in a way that I think they've done yeah it's not not quite the throwaway role that I think no and I think that's the thing is that with Nicolas Cage now he will do some absolute draws but then you you do think back to things like well actually you know like in Wild at Heart he's very good you know like raising oh, Arizona so good, like leaving yeah. Las Vegas like he won an Oscar let's you know give, what I mean like, yeah let's give Nicolas Cage more credit he uses that to his advantage he knows that he man's got to make some money right so it. It, it's just I don't know I just didn't anticipate that I would sort of think that this is it was as good as it yeah. was yeah. I mean um, I think that when we were sort of talking about kind of the, the occult aspect and mm. kind of the fantasy thing, there was a really interesting piece um, on the ring, Ringer by Manuela Lazic which um, given that we've sort of recently sort of seen Suspiria yeah threw up some really interesting things so it's uh, the article itself is called Suspiria Showgirls Carry and Climax uh, oh, Women Women Dancing with Death and the Occult and alongside Mandy it references um, Paul Verhoeven's Showgirls Brian De Palma's mm. Carrie Gaspar Noe's Climax which I'm really looking forward mm. to seeing and then also the new Suspiria mm. um, and I've just some sort of interesting things there it says it conceives of women and their bodies as sources of power that which men or aka the devil want so desperately to tame and abuse and then it also says um, and it's directly comparing Suspiria and Mandy here it says Suspiria and Mandy are wildly different films one aiming to be a serious art film the other reaching for a B-movie grandeur but both recognise that a woman's body can't simply be attacked their reverence for the female form takes them in somewhat opposite directions but ultimately both Susie and Mandy raise hell as women who wouldn't have their strength doubted or controlled Mm. with their focus on the resilience of women and their physical abilities both Suspiria and Mandy whose namesake gets revenge via the proxy of her extremely angry and fearless husband follow Carrie and Showgirls in a line of films letting women into the body horror genre or at least for Showgirls into physically horrific situations not simply to be butchered but to better defend and reclaim their agency yeah that's true and that one of the true. things that I'd been really worried about is that because obviously the film itself is called Mandy yeah and then spoiler Mandy dies yeah. and then the whole I thought she'd die within the first five minutes yeah it would be like Mandy's not really the thing here and I think that's the thing yeah. that I was worried about but because you do kind of she has a very very pivotal role mm-hmm. and obviously she's what spurs on Red's revenge to yes. kind of go and get the the cult and then mm. the biker gang but at the same time it's sort of like there's a very very powerful scene where the cult leader Jeremiah mm-hmm. is basically saying to her that you know like they're very special people and they yeah, should become yeah. as one and she just sits there and she, she just laughs, laughs at him face, yeah. and it reminds me um, and I, this is very shameful that I can't remember whose quote this is but someone has a sort of feminist has said before that the one thing that men fear is women laughing, laughing. at them 
looking at them. Yeah. And yeah. that just felt like actually, mm-hmm. you know, she's And watched... actually in Suspira there are parallels because they are literally laughing at those. They there is a scene in which yep. they literally make fun of the male form. The thing I was thinking of when I was watching it actually was John Wick in the way that like mm. so much of I mean obviously in John Wick it's his his wife has died and then they kill the dog and then mm-hmm. that's what spurns him mm. on. But it would be really easy with a film like Mandy to kill off the woman and then be like, Oh poor man, he's gonna go and have his yeah, revenge. Yeah, but the yeah. woman is like not really part yeah, of the narrative. Very present in this, but she, she feels really present in yeah. this. The fact that Red is continually haunted by her and, and you know, is sort of always has her mm. in mind and she has a presence. And Andrea Riseborough for the sort of very small period of time that she's yeah. in the film. Like she's she packs quite an she, impact in it. Yeah, yeah and you can kind of feel her throughout. Mm. She's and, given like a good amount of time and like the treatment of her death as we both said like it doesn't happen at the beginning to spur the main plot like her relationship with red and herself as a, a woman like and what she goes through is very much given like a lot of screen time which is good yeah and i think that, that you know a worse film would have thrown yeah, it to the you know, side and everything so i did think that was a really really kind of interesting choice really by the by the director mm. but yeah i just really enjoyed it and I was yeah very, well look at us fine doing a deep dive into mandy that wasn't just like wow that was bad shit so yeah it didn't i think there's more of it yeah so. there's there's more to it than maybe initially meets the eye and I hope a lot of people see it. So on the TV front, last episode we talked about the fact that we had finally started killing Eve. Mm. Um, we did the first four episodes um, and we had a bit of a pause, and then we've recently finished the fa- uh, the final four episodes. Mm. So, what are your kind of general feelings about the series as a whole now? Well, I'm trying to remember what I even said in the last episode, which is quite difficult. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed and it, and I think the way I felt about it in the first half of the season is kind of you know it's it's been met in the the second part. Um, it's a very funny show been really quite shocking in places um the dynamic between the two female protagonists is just like what is re- something that we don't often get to see on tv um and that idea of like female friendship um and female relationships like at the forefront of this show and it's not about a man and a woman and it's not about how women navigate their way around men it's women navigating their way around women and i find that really like that's been really refreshing and it was really valuable to watch i think what we'd sort of briefly discussed when we did talk about it in our last episode was how we were kind of really looking forward to um, Eve and mm. Villanelle coming together and, and the payoff for that in those last few episodes was was great because obviously it's beginning part of the narrative is this sort of cat and mouse sort of, yes. you know, Villanelle knows that Eve's after her and Eve becomes extremely consumed by it and then the last few episodes mm. in particular with that finale where they finally meet and yes. they get to interact and they get to talk to one another mm. about the fact that they're, they've been so so consumed mm. with one another and it's and it, not yeah it's not necessarily like i think it you know you they're consumed with each other and obsessed by each other not necessarily a sexual obsession but i think they also can't quite work it out themselves which, which is th- really interesting i really like the fact that you could see them both kind of eve especially trying to grapple with like is is part of my drive here sexual yeah. or is it the fact that like i love my job and i just mm. want to get this do person. i hate you do i love yeah, you like it's, it's that thin line isn't it and yeah. i just thought that like both jodie comer and, and Sandra O, oh, like their performances were brilliant in yeah, this. Yeah, really brilliant. And I just, I really enjoyed watching it. I'm really glad that we got um, around to watching it finally. Me too. I'm glad um, we got to watch it together as well. Absolutely. My only concern is that does there need to be a second series? No, I would have rather it didn't. But I mean, I'll obviously be here to watch a second series. But I hadn't really, I had anticipated it all being wrapped up. And I, you know, I wish more TV. I wish more of everything had. You know, I wish we had more of the guts in the industry 
industry to like leave things as a standalone. It, it's funny because there used to be more of a separation between UK and US mm. ways of sort of producing television yeah. series in that we used to, in the UK at least, be very good with sort of having less mm. episodes in a series and then being quite finite in the amount. Be very it, self-contained. Either yeah. something would be one series it'd and that would be it series. or it'd be a couple of series uh-huh. and that would be it. But I think that the way that the television industry and landscape is changing... Um, and it's all just left open now. Yeah, if you think about a show like Peaky Blinders, for mm-hmm. example, I think the upcoming series of that is series six. Okay, yeah. And it's like, I don't think 10, 15 years ago, you would have gotten six series no, of Peaky Blinders. No, no, you would have had two at most. Yeah. And then it would have been wrapped up. Yeah. Obviously, The Killing Eve itself is based on a series of books, so there yeah. is longevity there. Yeah. But I don't think, actually, what I want from this particular story, like... I don't think that that relationship, that their relationship in particular, needs to be explored much no. more either. Like, I was quite happy for that to end sort of either on a cliffhanger or in some finite way absolutely and i didn't need anything else so um, I do query whether that's um, needed. And the other thing I would just like to make reference to... Go on. ...is, um, is Constantine. Yeah, this was what I was about to bring up. Do you fancy Constantine, April? Yep, do you? Yeah, he's like a sexy Russian Santa. Um, I'm really into it. Uh, I spent the time initially thinking, like, do I fancy the young lad in the office at, like... Is He's kind of cute. Do I fancy him? I, that was just a complete, like, red herring. That was a red herring in there for our love of Constantine just, and his questionable accent. All of their questionable accents. Well, so he's playing Russian, but he's actually Danish. Yeah. Kim Bodnia. Um, we, we Not Kimmy. We've got Timmy and Kimmy now. Timmy and Kimmy. We had a discussion with our friend Georgie about Kim Bodnia, about killing oh, Eve. God, and, I'm so and, glad she was on board and, with and there was this well. awkward interaction where it was like, do you do fancy you... Constantine? Uh, yeah, no, I do. Yeah, I oh, do good, a me bit. too. Do you? Yeah, oh my God, so much. Yeah, I've just been Googling for And hours. every time it came on screen, we were just like, oh, it's just... It kind of went from making like a really loud groaning noise every time Sandra O oh let down her hair yeah. to making a really gra- like loud groaning noise every time he entered the screen I just think he's we're just disgusting a- we're so bad he's just a handsome older man he's just a handsome older gent isn't he so we've got like this is a Kimmy and Timmy standing podcast now yeah. so who, just watch who this knew? space having googled him though I feel like he's as he's aged has he got better with he's age? refined oh. like a fine wine love a fine wine he was I didn't realise actually that he's in a Nicholas Winding Refn um, did like a series of films called Pusher the Pusher trilogy oh is he in them he's in one of them with Mad M- Mads Mikkelsen yeah. oh which no that is the old Danish in, like, Mads has got Danish shaved hot bod yeah. oh my god they're actually very different but I do want to bang them both maybe so. we'll get around to watching that I think we should now I'm going to go out of my way um, speaking of shows actually that are a limited series and don't need another series Mm-hmm. Uh, Haunting of Hill House oh yes go busted on busted through that I'll just give it a very quick review it's a 10 episode standalone show premiered on Netflix on 12th of October it's created and directed by Mike Flanagan who also did Oculus Hush Ouija Origin of Evil Gerald's Game Gerald's Game is great Hush was pretty good Oculus eh, haven't seen Ouija, I haven't seen so. any of them so um, Gerald's Game is really good I'd recommend Gerald's Game um, it's loosely based on the Shirley Jackson novel of the same name which was published in 1959 which is a great novel so the plot it moves between two time frames you've got uh, siblings Stephen, Shirley Theo, Luke and Eleanor who spend time living at Hill House as kids 26 years later they're reunited with their father under tragic circumstances and have to confront the way that Hill House affected each of them there's been loads of coverage this is all over the internet and I don't need to repeat really what other people have been saying except to say that it is it really it is really good the first five episodes 
kind of focus on each of the siblings and really kind of dig deep into their backstories which is really great and then you shift more into the progression of the kind of the story and their inevitable trip back to Hill House for the other remaining episodes it kind of began as something really creepy but fairly generic for me but episode six is when I feel like it really pivots um episode six two storms is easily one of the best episodes of tv i've seen this year uh, i thought that episode standalone episode the bottleneck episode in um castle rock would be like my lead contender but this is really up there now it's got loads of multiple single camera takes the family drama comes to a head it's set in a funeral home which is really akin to like six feet under but like oh, okay so terrifying um, it really, really got under my skin. It got under Wes's skin in a way that, like, I, I don't get creeped out in my house at night. I don't. And this freaked me. Although I thought it was quite funny. So I haven't watched any of this and I don't think I will anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I thought was quite funny was that, like, I, I know that given how much kind of creepy horror pop culture that you consume mm-hmm. it takes a lot to like really oh God, unsettle you so, but yeah, the fact that you when you were more. watching episodes you would text me and be like this is genuinely terrifying me freaked then like, i i i think you obviously know that um well i sort of realized that the show itself must be something special and i think yeah. that of what i've kind of seen i mean i've i've avoided reading too much about it because mm-hmm. i do want to watch it at some point yes. in the future um, but one thing I have seen referenced quite a lot is that sixth episode where for a lot it's of people they so were just like, good. holy shit. So it is um, a lot. That is like a perfect piece of like horror. I love when that film happens. TV making. Yeah. It's so effective. And I mean, I'm sure you've read as well. There's like loads of Easter eggs. There are ghosts hidden in the background of mm-hmm. so many shots in this show. Like every episode, there are ghosts in the background that you mistake for people or shadows or it's really, really clever. It's the balance of character development and the, the story and the scares. So you've got this haunted house scenario, but there's so much about trauma and bereavement, about real and metaphysical, metaphorical ghosts. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's really, really good. And it was really, really affecting. The ending is, you know, I think Wes was not quite so happy with the ending, not enough to really be bothered by it. But I was, it was quite, I, I was actually fine with the ending. It kind of worked for me. Um, it's not a close adaption of Shirley Jackson at all please can people stop complaining when things are like an adaption and they want a straight like retelling of some I just don't what the it's just for me there's just no point in adapting something if you're not doing something different well I always feel like it's funny isn't it because I know that with them when I've seen things various different sort of films or tv shows or anything that are kind of book adaptations I know that it can be frustration sometimes especially if you particularly love the book Mm. if it's not you know literally to the letter Mm. but also I think there's nothing wrong with saying that something's kind of based on it or uses it as inspiration that's what happens with everything wouldn't it be if it's well done I think it's well done yeah absolutely I think sometimes it can be really boring to be massively prescriptive on the original kind of text so actually it's sort of you know what's wrong with taking kind of elements of Mm. the story and then building it outwards especially for a TV show when you think about how many episodes is it 10 that's like that's quite a lot for what is like quite a short novella it's a novella like it's there's not much that much more you're going to get out of it Um, and it's a really really yeah it's a really effective TV show and it's definitely one of Netflix's best that I seen and I'm just really yeah I'm really pleased it came out and I'm really pleased that it's got so much buzz around it it's Mm. really good 
Um, so, um, from TV, we're just moving on to music. Uh, there are just a few things. Pop special this yes. time. We love a pop special. We do though. love pop music. We talk about how much we love pop music. So, one thing that I've been really enjoying um, is Moe's album, uh, Forever Neverland. Oh, yes. Um, Tell me came about out this. 19th of October. Um, Moe's a Danish singer songwriter. Um, she's often compared to Grimes, okay. I guess, because they have a similarly kind of punk, grungy aesthetic. They, she doesn't have a creepy boyfriend, though. Not that I'm aware of. Okay. So, um, she has collaborated with a plethora of recognisable names in pop, dance, and electro. So, we've got Charlie XCX, Major Lazer, Diplo, Jack Antonoff. Um, okay, yeah. Forever Neverland is her second studio album after 2014's No Mythologies to follow. It's just it's just wall-to-wall pop bangers. Would I like it? I think you would like it. Okay. Like it's funny. I saw Mo at Latitude Festival in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um completely like knew nothing about her, only went because um, my friend Paisley was like, Oh, Mo's playing, she's really cool. Like, like we you should, should go, go and, and watch see, her. Yeah. And she was just it was just brilliant. It's like for an album to come out this time of year and just be so evocative of summer, but like in a positive Positive way, oh, that's nice. not in like a oh, I wish this had come out in August because I can't yeah. listen to it now. But it's just I don't know, man. It's just really happy, and and she's got a brilliant voice. There are parts of it that remind me kind of a bit of Lord. There's okay, some kind of, I'll have to give it, but not something. not in like a, mm. a sort of bad way. I don't know. Just, no. I would definitely recommend giving it a spin if you're Mo doesn't isn't isn't a name that I think a lot of people are necessarily aware of. No. Um. So I would definitely check it out if you haven't heard her before. This segues nicely onto uh, Robin. Yes. So someone who a lot of people are aware of is Robin. So um, she released on 26th of October, um, Honey. It's her eighth studio album and follow up to 2010's Body It's been Talk. a while, hasn't it? That's it's a long time. It's been a long time and I feel like everyone who likes pop music, um, likes electric, likes to kind of dance stuff has been really really hotly anticipating mm. Robin's comeback like it feels like a lot of people I follow anyway are yeah. always just a bit like oh god when's Robin going to release a new album Yeah. Um, lead single Missing You was released in August but the title track Honey appeared a version of it at least appeared on um, the final episode of um, HBO's Girls last yeah, year it was yeah, over the yeah. credits um, in a different version obviously there's a very very famous use of Dancing on My Own was yes. used at the end of episode 3 of season 1 of Girls which is the yeah, episode all remember. adventure women do Hannah dances around her room to the song um, and we definitely discussed yes. that in our girls episode because yeah, I said how oh, it's one of my absolute favourite mm. moments of girls and I think of TV ever there's, there's been a lot of hype for this album Robin generally is well loved in pop circles and has that sort of a mythical status mm-hmm. people have been praying for her comeback for quite some mm. time and um, I was really pleased to see that she's come back and I'm, it's a really strong album as well it's, it's just really a really strong. nice like electro poppy it's kind of a bit it's a bit chill if yeah. you get what I mean like like it's they're like they're really good pop songs but there's something quite like I don't know nice and she's taking she's taken a time over it and I think that I think mm. the problem is with everyone was sort of expecting this kind of big body talk follow-up mm. but actually Robin there's been a lot of really really good think pieces and kind of articles and interviews with her there's Laura Snape wrote mm-hmm. a piece I think for The Guardian mm-hmm. which is sort of like a profile of Robin oh, cool. and Jessica Hopper wrote one as well um, and it basically talks about how sort of over the last eight years Robin's been through a lot she had the kind of death of one of her very yes. close collaborators yeah. um, who um, Missing You is about, about that, yeah right. so a lot yeah. of people have sort of read into missing you as being a breakup song but actually more it's, it's more about the grief yeah. of sort of of overcoming the death of a close friend and also she sort of had the end of a fairly long term relationship mm. which has kind of fed into that and I do think that actually kind of you can tell from a lot of the songs yeah, it's kind yeah. of upbeat I mean Robin has always managed to tread this kind of fine line between kind of having an upbeat kind of dancey songs yeah. but actually a lot of them are sad quite 
lyrically and yeah, about yeah. kind of sad sad themes which yeah. I can't, and I kind of like that yeah it, it's quite simple but effective as well isn't it like in, yeah I don't know yeah. it proves that sort of dance and pop music doesn't always have to be about happy stuff partying on a Friday yeah and I mean I'm all here for that obviously, obviously. but people like, like yeah like other artists like Lord have that kind of you know yeah. vibe as well which I think is really important. so I'm I'm really pleased she's back she's back it's very good and the other thing I'd like to talk about is um, the new Kylie Rae Jepsen single Party for One aka the wanking song. The wanking song. So it came out on Thursday and I felt quite bad because the two things that I had to process on Thursday were the um, Harry interviewing Timothy Chalamet and then literally at the same time Party for One and yeah. Late as Well Nine and I had to prioritise one over the other and it was just Did you prioritise I do? Yeah. Yeah, it was Timmy over there. Did you prioritise Timmy? Obviously. Um, this song, uh, Party for One, is the first new music since Cut to the Feeling which mm. came out in May 2017. Um, I'm hoping it's an indicator of a new album because uh, Emotion, which is the last Kylie Rae Jepsen record, came out in June 2015. Um, she did release a B-side album. Has that long? Yeah, man. Blimey. She um, did release a B-side record in August 2016 which was Emotion side B um, have you watched the video no this? I haven't so the video is, is it good it's brilliant it's Kylie Rae Jepsen in a hotel and there's lots of different guests in different rooms and mm-hmm. they're all kind of doing different stuff and it's meant to be a celebration of being on your own and, and having a good time yes um, I do my think, favourite things I, right, I do think Kylie Rae Jepsen is very good at kind of memeable and viral content yes yeah. um, after I watched she's got a knack for that she knows she? that people how to sort of put things in her videos that people are going to want to come back to and refer back to Um, I was reminded of the fact that for her song I really really like you um it was Tom Hanks oh yeah yeah um so she's just really good at it so yeah but the song is just definitely about self-love self-love so uh, a line here is um cry wanking and we could be we could be reading too much into this but it's um party for one if you don't care about me I'll make love to myself back on my beat I don't. I don't think there's. I think if we're talking about making love to myself and beats, like to a specific well, specific beat, I I don't think there's. You're not. You're not just reading into. No, that. I mean in the video, um, she's in a hotel room in her pants. Yeah. A lot of other people are in their hotel rooms in their pants. I think I know what she's implying. Is here. is is about as obvious as Harry Styles saying like played with myself. Where were you? Like that is that. I level don't know what of, you mean. Well, it's that level of. It's um, just a, it's a wanking song. I do keep song. referring to it as the Kylie Rae Jepsen wanking song. <laughs> I think it should be a more which that um, it's fine to you but i can't i'm not sure how that would go or well that would go across well, with other we've people. literally just recorded it to put out to the general public so um everyone's gonna know that you refer to it if you that. haven't heard the kylie ray jepson wanking song everyone don't should don't definitely... spotify search wanking song because it's not no, gonna come up you won't find it but um but um, you'll I, know when you're there i'm pumped i love kylie ray jepson so much and i really hope she releases a new record soon so i can go and see her and have um, a good time. Excellent, That's a Carly Rae Jepsen reference. Oh, is it? Sorry, I missed that. So, um, for our main topic, we thought we'd sort of inspired by our recent red carpet experiences at London Film Festival, which you can sort of hear in our kind of mini episode, which precedes this mini episode. Mini episode. Ha, Long ha, ha. episode. Um, we thought it'd be fun to sort of discuss some of our past celebrity encounters. We asked for some listeners to share theirs too. Um, you've captioned this close encounters of the celebrity kind. One of my best. Which I think is some of your best work. Oh, um, so what do that. we what do we mean by an encounter? 
Well, wow. I think this varies, doesn't it? Um, my criteria was it had to be at least someone who is like at least like C grade celebrity, notable. Someone yes. people would know who it I'm is. I'm sorry, I discounted all the that's, all the that's Big Brother person. commentary that came through on the feed. I'm sorry. Also, uh, had to be a little bit funny. Yeah, that's true. You have to. It has to be like a level of sort or of like comedy weird, involved. Or, or weird. there has to be something that's like huh. it has to be a story to tell. It's not just oh, I saw. Yeah. Yes. So um, yeah. also, what do you think is an appropriate response to have when you? see these people because um, this is what I've debated myself personally yeah, is actually like follow them around for a little bit but just be quite covert gasp accordingly yeah do you if you saw someone famous do you talk to them or do you no, stay the hell away I've never really spoken to any of the famous people I've seen in my life no unless it's actually in a scenario in which I have to speak to well, them yeah for like, professional reasons yeah like a meet and greet I think is different because it's like if yeah. you specifically went to some place with the view yeah. Yes. mind that you would specifically be talking mm-hmm. to that person then that doesn't really count does it because yeah if i'm at work and there's a writer or something yeah absolutely you know, yeah definitely that. but i mean if just generally out in the wild um i i personally do not have the guts to ever go and speak to someone without no. any appropriate context. when i was i wish i could yeah when i was listing all of the ones that i thought that um would be funny to talk about on the podcast are they um, like people you've seen in the distance yeah well or past or stood near but i yeah. absolutely <laughs> haven't spoken to any of them but out so of places- sheer so near encounters of the celebrity kind. Yeah, because you know I, I'm I'm bad in those scenarios. Someone asked me about this specifically with reference to this podcast, and I was like, I'm just shit. I just can't. It's like I can go to work. I can talk to like a room full of like fifty children. I can yeah. and can do a presentation to a group of adults. But when it comes to like someone that is in vaguely involved in any pop culture, I either like Care or about. oh god, I'm yeah, just gone. I, yeah. use, I have nothing useful to I just assume I have nothing useful I to lose say. the ability to formulate sentences and words oh, so yes. um, would you like to go first or shall I feel free to go first so um, just some of mine that I would thought it would be interesting to share um, I once flew to San Francisco oh, yes and um, Tom Waits one. that's a really good celebrity Tom Waits spot. was on my plane so um, Tom Waits lives in Napa Valley I think okay. so it's just north of San Francisco and I remember seeing him in the departure lounge and was thinking, the economy class do you Thing, absolutely not first class okay, cool. business at, at the lowest yeah. um i remember right, seeing tom. him in the departure lounge and thinking like oh that man looks a lot looks like a lot like tom, tom waits. waits brilliant but um as it was 2010 i think i had a black brew at the time so i couldn't oh, google couldn't even particularly google well yeah. so um, it takes you 50 years to google like yeah. hold on hold on yeah and then um i noticed that he was being taken on the phone on the plane before everyone else oh yeah and then i definitely heard him talk and i was like he's that's not in a wheelchair he's got to be famous that's motherfucking tom waits yeah. so that's pretty motherfucking cool tom waits. motherfucking yeah. tom waits um, I went to Club NME in 2007. Lovely. Go and I, I um, Club NME. Right, oh. of the moment. And I saw Kelly Osbourne and Amy Winehouse on the Raz together. Together? Yeah. They were on the Raz? Yeah. Did they have, like, white powder hanging out their nose? Or no, but Amy's hair was bananas and was Kelly that? Osbourne was just, like, pe- peak Kelly, Kelly Osbourne. Exists. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the ones I'd made reference to when I was talking about, kind of, here is an indicator of the type of thing we're looking for, was um, in 2008, I was in New York City and I saw, um, this was the height of my Kings of Leon obsession as well. That's important. Of course, you had a Kings of Leon obsession. Important contextual detail for you because I saw Caleb Followell, singer of Kings of Leon handsome man did you freak out well I was eating pizza oh good yeah, as you do in New York I was eating cheese at the time so I was going Woo. going crazy Um, he was with his model girlfriend I cried 
because I had such a visceral response oh, to yeah, seeing him. Oh yeah, that sounds like a reaction I'd have now. And, and the two people I was with were like, why don't you go and talk to him, say hi or something? Well, and I was, I was crying. like, I'm crying and I'm holding a slice of pizza. I look mental. So I don't know um, what you'd say in that context. I don't, well, this is the like, thing. <laughs> what crying. am I going to say? Like, I've got a massive poster of you on my wall at home. I love you. I love, I love you. you. I think you're really fit. I, my tumbler is covered in... Like, what am I going to say? Yeah, so, nothing. Um, on the same trip, actually, in 2008, I saw David Blaine on a motorbike. Oh. Um, was wa- he... Do you think he was, like, filming... No, he was just going from A to B, was just it? going from A to B. Um, I walked past David Arquette in, in Soho. Very good. That's a very good one. <laughs> and all I could think of was, a lot like... Of people in Soho. I've never met... You're Dewey past- from, from Screen. That's what I could think of. <laughs> um, and also, this is one of my favourites, because it's, it's, like, kind of niche, but... And especially for the time, as well, bearing in mind, this is 2008. So I was walking across Brooklyn Bridge. We were leaving Manhattan, walking across mm-hmm. the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, set the um, scene. And the, uh, in the other direction was yep, walking, walking down towards the other side. Yeah, yeah, it was Paul Giamatti. Really? The actor Paul Giamatti. And I remember looking at him and I've got this Just really... his tourist spot. Yeah, Shops right. I think probably. I've got I've got an innate knack of like recognizing people, but when other people don't. Yeah, you're and very good at I that. I was going like, oh my god, it's Paul Giamatti, and and everyone, uh, the two people I was with, was with, were just like, I've got no idea who that is. And I looked at him and I clocked him, and he knew that I'd clocked, clocked him, him, and he gave me like the most Paul Giamatti look back in response to basically be like, do not talk to me. Yeah, do not say anything. Um, which was I'm sure you wouldn't couldn't have reacted fast enough to talk to him anyway. It takes me about ten years to go. Oh my god, it's that. I wouldn't have that person. So, Could right, it be that and, and um, again, this is a, another travel-based one. Um, I once queued in Im- at immigration at JFK. So yes, I leaving, this one. I'd just flown into JFK. I was waiting to go through immigration, and I was behind Kevin Klein, the actor, and Luke Evans. Luke Evans. Luke Evans. Um, this Love is Luke ba- Evans. This is around the time that they were obviously filming Beauty and the Beast. Um, Luke Evans is so tall and so handsome. Oh, he's but so handsome. The problem was when I was going to Tom. It's Luke Evans. It's Luke Evans. He was like, I don't know who this that is and I was trying to think of things that Luke Evans at the time had been in that Tom would understand and all I could come up with was he's in the Fast and Furious oh and he was, was he like, like literally who yeah. I'm trying to connect the dot so yeah there you go they're, they're just a few of a handful yeah. of mine I have got some but you've got yeah the so, most memorable ones so boring. you have to do like a greatest hits yeah otherwise we'll be here for hours uh, what are some of yours uh, what did I put the, the Martin Freeman story whereby my mum's uh, we've got some family friends that my mum has known for decades and they write to us every like you know every Christmas they do the old Christmas card with a note inside saying you know this is how the kids are this is how blah blah is and um, this family friend they've got a daughter called Amanda so we get updates every year about Amanda and how she's doing um, Amanda is uh, an actress and she's been on a few things like Holby City and blah 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 and uh, one year my mum rang me to say that she'd just been reading the latest Christmas card letter from uh, these family friends and um, it'd been updating them about um, Amanda's husband Martin um, and he's doing really well and we've been hearing about him for years my mum hasn't met him but you know she knows all about him and he just got he'd just been in New Zealand Zealand uh, filming the latest Lord of the Rings and my mum rang me and was like you don't think it's Martin Freeman do you and I was like definitely Martin what's what's his wife's name Amanda yeah that's definitely Amanda and Martin Freeman Amanda's been in the Maltesers advert is it that Amanda yes it's that Amanda and Martin Freeman I like that your mum's frame of reference is the fact that he's been in the that she'd been in the Maltesers advert yeah my mum was like she's been in a few I mean she's also been in like Sherlock yeah I mean it was like no that is Martin Freeman yeah and of course since it's been like Martin's not really referenced anymore in the family cards Um, but that was quite a good one um, loosely related to me Terry B 
from not that everyone likes Terry B, but Terry B from My Ruin. I was a very big My Ruin fan. Yeah. Um, she was in Blockbusters when I worked there. She queued for a long time. My Ruin were playing in Norwich that night, um, and then she asked whether we had a copy of Muriel's Wedding, which we didn't. <laughs> so that was good. I'm so um, reassured. That hey, have you got a copy of Muriel's Wedding? It's like no. I love that she's a big Tony Collette fan. Right, so random. Clearly, uh, I saw Gary Newman and his wife in matching camo outfits. They were like essentially like boiler suits but camo both of them together shopping in co-op and i saw robin actually in co-op as well at uea and just looked at her as well yeah i did actually go out of my way to go to a movie convention once that had most of the cast of lord of the rings (laughs) and i met elijah wood and a girl like shoved me like assaulted me to get me out of the way well i think i fancy elijah wood well we we're a very pro elijah wood household wesley really loves him i love him he's a total weirdo he was also he's on the production he's a producer, he's a producer for, of for mandy. mandy so weird elijah wood is a little weirdo and i love him for it yeah and he was 100%. very nice and i also met anthony stewart head that day he was <gasps> a little bit grumpy but I still fancy him dad yep I sat next to Richard E. Grant at my UEA Open Day and I couldn't remember who he was and I told my mum, it's that guy from Spice World and she didn't know who I really was. enjoy that of all the Richard E. Grant performances. I, I know. Isn't it funny about how like, like... He's in... He, Spice World. That's the thing. World. It's always when you have to sort of tell someone who a person is, it's always like the thing that, that they're not known for. They're yeah. like not, not the, like the notable yeah. performance. You're like, can't You're really like, think oh, of the big guy one. from... Spice World. Great Spice film. film. Yeah. Great, Great film. film. Um, I sat next to Rupert Grint in Pizza Hut with his family and he wore his sunglasses the whole time. Um, and all of his family are ginger. And the Kate Middleton story, which I'm sure oh I've mentioned Oh my God, this is, yeah. Um, I went to, I think it's like a bird sanctuary, essentially, yeah, a, um, last year around my reserve. birthday. And uh, it's a nature reserve, aka a bird sanctuary. <laughs> um, and I held open the door for a woman who was struggling with her buggy and... Being the royalist, I, I'm not a royalist, but apparently I know what the royal family look like. Um, I actually looked at the little girl in the buggy and thought, that looks a lot like Princess Charlotte. And it was Kate Middleton and Princess Charlotte. And uh, what's the little boy called? Hang on. George. George. And George. They were going around the uh, nature reserve early. They had like two plainclothes uh, security with them. But apart from that, yeah. So I had opened the door for her. She was very polite. And Actual said, royalty. You. Actual royalty. And it was just really funny because there was no one else there. So we just... I went back in the gift shop because I was like, fuck that, I'm not leaving when they've just walked in. Wes had no idea who they were, no idea. Um, but I did make him stand and wait whilst I just like watched them walk around the gift shop for a while. I mean, it's um, like watching animals in a zoo, for isn't actual, it? Like, I'm not a royalist, but no. I know that like there are people in the world, lots of people, who would queue for days to get yeah. a glimpse of the royal family. And I'm just fannying around in the gift shop and they're there. Yeah, so that was pretty fine. good. Um, my other uh, anecdote of note is that uh, I got a taxi with Urban Welsh, the train spotting author, and as part of work, and I took him back to his hotel and we had at work forgotten to put a credit card down <laughs> for his for his room service. So not wanting to look like we were incompetent, I just casually put my own down and was shitting myself that when I went back to get the bill next day, he would have like spent so much money on alcohol he spent 15 pounds on cups of tea and i'm pretty sure you get tea in your own like you in your hotel room anyway so it must have been really fancy tea 
Evan Welsh, big fan. Well, maybe of he was just thirsty. Days. Just very thirsty. Have you got some good anecdotes from other people? Yes. Yeah, so we did ask for a kind of a list of uh, other people's uh, celebrity encounters, and a lot of people came up with the goods, which I was very, very impressed with. So we'll go in hard. Yeah. Um, so Tori. Oh um, God, she's got some blinders. These are real. Yeah. Yeah. So she met um, met Harry Styles at a festival. She just got an engaged. Um, he tweeted about it. She hadn't been ready to tell her mum that that had happened but harry had already posted about it online and by the point that her mum had seen it it already had twenty five thousand retweets (laughs) um so she was a nice boy he meant well uh, yeah he meant well um she ended up planning a wedding but ultimately didn't get married in the end so but at least so was that all harry styles's fault well perhaps but at least you've got a really good story out of it lisa once saw ricky gervais jogging on Hampstead heath in a bright orange adidas shell suit which um i have an extreme dislike of ricky gervais so i like the idea that he was just like in an awful outfit jogging looking like an absolute knob Chris went to a pub after he'd seen Ryan Adams he went to the loo and saw someone familiar at the urinal Um, the moral of this story is that Ryan Adams doesn't wash his hands after he's in the toilet that's a lot isn't it Um, Naomi used to work at a relatively well known tattoo shop in London so she's got quite a few celebrity famous oh good uh, celebrity famous people celebrity famous people celebrity encounters some of the best ones were that um, Rihanna showed her her butt oh Um, my god she had a very strange conversation with Chris Martin about jam and cooked fruit. Uh, Tandy Newton has a very dry sense of humour and likes to take the piss out of people. She met L- Jesse from Little Mix. Um, oh, Jeremy, Jessie. I know, right? Jeremy from Arcade Fire did a total whitey after he got tattooed. And um, unsurprisingly, uh, Dave Navarro is an absolute prick. So. Oh, yeah, that's not surprising. Do you remember when Becky Brett, or Baz, saw Jesse from Little Mix in the gym? And yes. we were trying to get her to go over and say hello and she wouldn't. She but just wouldn't do was... it. She was live texting us. And just... I mean, I guess it's awkward when you're in the gym. But... Yeah. Kirby had another Harry Styles related one. It says, um, accidentally but not really crashed Harold's 19th birthday. Oh, yes. She cried when they brought out the cake, gave him a hug when I noticed him in front of me at the bar and deep sniffed him a little too long. Got into a scuffle with the paparazzi. It's all been downhill for me since. Oh, that's so good. I just thought it was brilliant. Uh, Emma saw Matthew McConaughey and uh, oh, Sarah wow, Jessica pa- Parker <gasps> in a posh hotel lobby in New York pre-McConaughey. She was gorgeous <sighs> and tiny. He came in and took off his hat and shook snow out of his hair. It seemed to happen in slow motion. Oh, I can imagine. Like a dog. Right. <laughs> she said she also, um, her and her boyfriend Jack, saw Tom York kicking off at Berlin Airport because his huge case got stuck in the travelator. He walked onto it to get it and the whole thing broke down and they had to wait for ages for Tom York climbed onto the... the... The moving. Jesus. Yeah. Great, great guy. <laughs> Steph Copsey met Dallas Green, got overwhelmed, panicked, and punched him in the arm in what I thought was jovial way, but he probably thought it was a bit weird. That's probably assault. Um, I really liked this one from Matt North. It says uh, Jared Leto tried to get me fired by claiming I'd put on his microphone the wrong way round when I hadn't. Oh, he's such a prick, isn't he? Jared Leto in being a prick, non shocker. Uh, absolute shocker. Um, Kate sent us a few. Kate used to work at a um, high end um, hair salon in New York City. Oh, so, I bet you get all the good ones. Yeah, so she sent us quite a few. Um, she met Joshua Jackson. Jackson. Oh. Um, he touched um, touched her hips when she bumped into him and she died. I'm sorry, I they wish. touched hips? Yeah, she, she bumped into him. basically had sex with Joshua Jackson. That's who, crazy. Who can say? That's crazy. Um, she was also really worried that she was going to end up calling him Pacey. <laughs> I think I would be doing the same. I bet he gets it constantly, to be fair. Yep. Um, Michael Pitt um, came in to oh. get his hair dyed dark for a uh, role. Um, he was very nervous, wearing a big wearing a big black wool coat that he wouldn't take off and wore for the entire what? appointment. It's been so warm. Hairdressers um, are really warm places. Um, I always think that Michael Pitt is definitely weird and she says that he carried with him an old-fashioned leather briefcase. He's a total weirdo, isn't he? We love weirdos, though. And he just sat, sat writing for the entire time. 
that, well, whilst um, getting his hair dyed in the build up to it and then Aww. he also just stank of cigarettes this one I thought was absolutely brilliant and um, Nora Ephron the writer screenwriter she was exactly as she came across typically grumpy but endearing in, in a New Yorker way when Kate first started at the salon she was trained to keep any change in the form of coins in a small envelope and to not give it to her until I could swap it out for a paper bill because she didn't carry coins brilliant um, oh, Kate also said that she met, uh, ran into Rihanna when she was in New York as well oh my god but she, Rihanna had like a an entourage of like 30 people that were crowded around her. She met Sufjan Stevens in San Francisco. Wow. Um, she couldn't talk to him because I couldn't deal with it. And he shook my hand and told me it was nice to meet me and I died. Aww. I would die as well. Also, this one is hilarious. Um, so it's Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. I saw him in a bookstore in the East Village once and and I usually left celebrities alone in the world, but I love him and ran out of the store and Aww. yelled his name. I told him how much I loved him and I had no idea what else to say and it got awkward. And the next thing I know, I was asking where he lived. He told me in the neighbourhood and then very quickly excused himself. <laughs> yeah, don't... Yeah, he's probably worrying about potential stalker <laughs> yeah. qualities there. It's that true is... though, because I do think that like you can see someone that you absolutely adore and then you lose every faculty of, mm-hmm. of being able to sort of coherently um, construct a sentence. Um, someone else who saw someone in the wild recently, um, Ashley Ansel, sent us a really good sort of clip explaining it. She said she saw Matt Ross from Silicon Valley, Big Love, and he played Charles Montgomery in American Horror Story. And oh, he's yeah? a character actor, which if you Googled him, you would know exactly, exactly who he was. Oh my God. Um, she saw him recently in Berkeley outside a grocery store with his kids looking at pumpkins. She locked eyes with him, but didn't talk to him again because as she told her boyfriend, she didn't want him to never be able to buy pumpkins at the store ever again because of weird people change pumpkin stores yeah and just the last one um that i had on my list here was um amanda from amanda's oh this is good i saw this um, pod who sent this to us today was uh, my best celebrity encounter is with the michael shannon um Michael Shannon. Uh, he was in a play in Greenwich Village in New York that a friend of mine was working on back in 2008. Um, she introduced us after we saw the show and he chatted with me for a bit about my trip to New York. She was there with her college band. He was super nice and very encouraging about me doing music. He asked what instrument I played, bass clarinet, and, I, and told me about when he played upright bass in jazz band in high school. A side encounter from Aww. the same day, I stood less than 10 foot from um, Philip Seymour Hoffman in the lobby. Oh he, he was the one that's directing Michael Aww. Shannon in that play and I almost died from excitement and I would have been exactly they are too the like huge that is like I, I Big think time. absolutely Philip Seymour Hoffman um, God rest his soul and, and Michael Shannon as well I think I would absolutely lose it so thank you Darn. to everyone who sent me those ones uh, what are some um, I know you had a brilliant response on uh, on Facebook to people uh, sending oh, you oh yes gems. we had quite a few we had so many on Facebook actually that I can't I cannot do them all there's too many thank you it's everyone just, for um, oh, it's so sending good. So. it's so good and some of them are so funny if you're I mean if you happen to be friends with me on Facebook please go and read them because there's some really there's some standout ones on there uh, I've just picked a few that are really good firstly I just wanted to point out two others that I'd thought about um, in that time um, that were anecdotes from other people um, someone that I used to work with stood next to Tom Hardy in the queue in Asda he was buying beer they got talking about cars and Tom Hardy like they went outside together afterwards and Tom Hardy showed him his car which is pretty cool um, and also my cousin's wife Joey back in the day when she used to work in Mac she did quite a few celebrity makeovers and she did makeup for Beyonce and said that her skin was like the absolute dream 
That's Which insane. I love. Also, Vic's meeting Louis Theroux, which is a really important Vic's one. Vic's met Louis that, Theroux this week. Yeah, and that was really well-timed because we'd already did, like discussed that we were going to do this topic. And then Vic's went and just did it for the pod man. She went out there and met Louis Theroux. I, I think we should share that photo if we I can. was jealous because I absolutely fancied Louis Theroux so much. So, And he's just so tall. That's the thing I noticed in that picture. He's tall and handsome and all in black. Yes, Good, good on so you, Louis Theroux. Handsome Louis. So some of the others I've got, uh, Vicky said that my mate was trying to pull out of a tight spot between two very nice cars when he noticed a man watching him. He shuffled out of the space and rolled down the window to say something to the man who was softly applauding him when he realised it was Jude Law. <laughs> Oh my uh, god, you'd look. Right, so good. Amazing. Uh, Jim, this makes me laugh so much. Jack, Jack, Jack Reddin, our other friend, and myself met Ed Sheeran in the Owl Sanctuary pub. I told him he was a ginger and I didn't like his music. <laughs> I can imagine Jim doing Harsh. that. Ashley uh, said that Tracy and myself met Matt Tong from Block Party fame at Reading Festival whilst watching Marilyn Manson. He was with his mum. I asked her if she liked Marilyn Manson. (laughs) Um, Tracy added, he was very accommodating. I wanted a picture with him and he even moved over to the nearest burger van because the lighting was better. Um, Ashley also said that she had to force Sid Owen from EastEnders to pay for a sausage roll in Sainsbury's because he was going to nick it. When she sent us that this this week, I absolutely died because I just... That's so funny. That is like, oh, it's just so good. Bod uh, sold John Major a hot chicken when I worked on the rotisserie at Budgeons. Um, Bod had quite a few, actually. This other one is good. Bod said, uh, me and Eddie bumped into Simon Amstel at Latitude. Eddie said, I can't wait for your set, man. Simon replied, I did it an hour ago. <laughs> um, this is one of my favourites. Kyle said, I met... David Bellamy when I was little at a convention thing for bats he gave me a baby bat to hold which was which sadly they wouldn't let me keep he was awesome Rob Weston said I saw Brian Blessed talk to a small girl and then suddenly bellow at her when she was frozen with fear he said you didn't react good never show them any fear This one's good. Lizzie said, Boy George told me he liked my hair. Whilst he did it, he sort of spat a bit, which hit the corner of my mouth. (laughs) Ergo, I kissed Boy George. (laughs) Um, Tracy said, uh, I met Carl Barrett on a bench in front of the O2 Academy in Oxford, where they were doing a show later that evening. We had a chat. He said he put me on the guest list for the gig. He lied. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Turned up and he hadn't done it. Christine uh, met Tom Jones. She said, I was about six. He drank at my dad's local pub um, for a while in the 60s. We'd all gone to a rugby club for some reason and they were trying to get Tom to sing. Quote, get little Ma- get Max little girl to ask him to sing Delilah, someone said. I did, but he wouldn't sing that. He did sing Amazing Grace with some Welsh rugby players who were there too, with me sitting on his lap, <laughs> which is amazing. Brilliant. Uh, Jack Redden always has blinders I once met Ewan McGregor during the period he was in Star Wars we asked him what being a Jedi was like he said boring <laughs> and he also added and I just I'm going to quote this verbatim because it's it's just really funny it says of course half the original cast of uh, The Only Way is Essex were in my year at school all dickheads especially Mark Wright he's a top level bellend I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever met a famous person who actually seemed alright oh fuck I have Alan Davis is well nice he did a school fair in Loud I asked him about the tiger they had in Jonathan Creek. (laughs) 
Uh, Jess said Warwick Davis went round Queensgate, uh, which is Peterborough's finest shopping centre, on a mini scooter and said beep beep to me when I was on a payphone and I was in his way. Tom Holmes said I once tripped the lead singer of Keen in a bar in Hoxton, resulting in him spilling a tray of pints on himself. Personal highlight. Ellie said I saw Terry Wogan buying lingerie in Harrods once. Does that count? Definitely counts. Oh my God. So many questions. This one is going to mean nothing to anyone who doesn't live in England and was born in the late 80s. But Nikki said, when I was eating lunch at McDonald's, Dave Benson Phillips sat at the table next to me with a cheeseburger. Oh my God, get your own back. Right? Get your own back. So good. Freya said, Franz Ferdinand broke down in my village. I'd gone to visit my pal Will and the band had broken down outside his mum's cottage and was sat at his house until they could get the AA cover to pick them up. Amazing. Um, And Diana uh, actually posted some pictures of Jude Law at her brother's wedding. which amazing. were amazing. So there are about 70 more, but I couldn't get them all in. So oh, thank you so much to everyone who did them. Yeah, thanks everyone for sharing them. And um, may you have many more celebrity encounters. And in... hope someone, like one of us, says something cool to them one day. That yeah, one day I'd like, to, I'd like to muster the like confidence to actually have a coherent conversation And with sound someone. really cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's never going to happen. Never going to happen, no. But there you go. So that's the episode done. Uh, obsession of the week. What is your obsession of the week? And well, also your phone background, I suppose. My obsession of the week is obviously going to be Timmy and Harry joint like people because I don't I don't really know what else my obsession of the week would be. It's been a week. Um, Timmy with just angular bits and pieces is just <laughs> it's a lot for me. Um, so that is my general obsession of the week. I've actually got a really boring phone background at the moment. It is some pumpkins. Oh, so, seasonally nice. appropriate. Seasonally though. appropriate pumpkins. Um, but no one attractive. I mean, these pumpkins are quite attractive. They're good pumpkins. But, um, I like the white ones at the back. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, a few anomalies in the background there. Very nice. Uh, what's your obsession of the week? Um, well, mine is, uh, I guess it probably is. Is it threefold? Because you know I love a threefold. Yeah, mine is partly threefold. So it is probably Timothy and, and Harold. And, Sorry, everyone. And, and just how much of my time that's consumed in the last 48 hours. However, yeah. previous to that, it was my phone background currently is I went to, I was in London last week for work I popped a rough trade um, because there was a Beastie Boys exhibition oh yes um, to coincide with the publication of their much uh, sort of long awaited um, autobiography mm. which arrived in my house on Tuesday oh, um, so my phone's just a picture of, of a billboard uh, kind of a cardboard cutout of the three of them oh lovely um, and I've just been on this real like Beastie Boys hype Trip. recently Excellent. because I've been really looking forward to this book coming out um, I've loved Beastie Boys for a very very long time I vividly remember buying this compilation CD and when I was a kid and just That's getting so super pumped on it so I've just hey, been... they played Beastie Boys at the Halloween party they we did and I weekend. lost my shit um, in a very embarrassing way so it's been Beastie Boys um, Google image searching um, old Beastie Boys images um, I love Adam Horowitz with every fibre of my being so if you're not familiar with the work of the Beastie Boys <laughs> who are you? I don't think young people are now no though. I think are they not? it makes me is feel is it not old. culturally relevant I don't anymore. think it is anymore oh, so I'm going to look forward to reading this book and geeking out of old photos oh of you them can all. review it on the podcast I'm gonna, dang I'm, I'm bloody am so that's us done you can find us online twitter we're at the thirst soundcloud.com forward slash the thirst pod you can um, subscribe and review us on apple Podcasts and itunes by searching the thirst instagram we're at the thirst pod the and you can email us your thoughts feelings hopes dreams to the thirst pod at gmail.com uh bye ciao <laughs> Thank you.
Didn't see you there. I'm Molly. And I'm Jen. And we're We're Rosemary's Rosemary's Ladies. Ladies, A podcast where we eat snacks, drink adult beverages, and review movies. The good and the bad. Previous reviews include Deep Blue Sea, Poltergeist, Leprechaun, and 1998's Godzilla. You can tune in on iTunes, Spotify, and most popular podcast apps. And for Pete's sake, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and check us out at rosemarysladies.com where you can submit movies for us to review. (laughs) 